Hi there. I was just on. There we go. Accessibility menu. As uh, this is Mother Jones Mag, I'm gonna try to get this thing to read it for me, but it's not really working too well. Profile picture. Mother Jones Mag. 24 hours. A talking pet spot. Heart. Hooray. Fire. Hands what clapping. Crying. Smiling face. Open mouth face. Tears of joy. Profile picture. Add a comment. Let's see here. Anyway, thanks for um, select to speak. Thanks for a billion subscribers. Profile picture. Mother Jones Mag. Twenty four hours. A talking pet spot. Heart. Shit. Watch or read or watch the conversation. Too many of our Congress people are implicated in unethical rubbish for them to really put his feet to the fire without them giving up their privilege in the process. There's no accountability for rich white men. Remember, they make the laws that support people who go to jail. Getting old and tired, someone please figure this out before he dies of old age. The fact that he's walking free is one of the most infuriating and expected shit ever. Being black and seeing people thrown away for years for way less than trying to overthrow the U.S. government is an unforgivable stain that is indelible in my mind and the vast majority of black and brown people. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Ink Reds. Like, I like, hmm, want to follow. Follow, follow. Come on, I can't. Just, Republicans just made Jody Arrington. <laughs> 15 years of tax fraud equals 5 months of jail being white must be so awesome yeah how do I follow this person Perrin Baxter Ethan Education Entertainment. Let's see here. Okay. What does finally mean, Waku, and finally is here? Um, a tax, this article is called A Tax Guru Explains Why Donald Trump May Finally Be in Trouble. The IRS, too, is in danger by Michael Mechanic. As a Republican nominee in 2016, Donald Trump repeatedly promised that, uh, yeah, we all know that shit. Talking Feds Pod. And the two-party system, UCLA Law Review, Politicology Pod, 
Okay, let's see. Um, Talking Fred's podcast. Alright, let's just go to Talking Feds. Go. Okay, we're going to go to Talking Feds podcast and... And uh, look at what they're saying about the tax returns. Talking Feds is a roundtable discussion that brings together prominent former government government officials, journalists, and special guests for a dynamic and in-depth analysis of the most pressing questions in law and politics. The longest speaker battle since the Civil War played out in slow motion. Humiliation of Kevin McCarthy. Special year-end episode, How Will We Go Down in History? Uh, where's the fucking one about... Where's the one about uh, taxes? Where... I was on about fucking taxes. Public education, red herring, red alert, Halloween and margins of terror, Fortnite forecast. Oh man. Shit. Where's the one on fucking Taxes. View tweet activity. Zero. Oh, five impressions. The hosts discuss why 88% of Americans think it's unacceptable to cheat on their taxes, while just 44% say it's their responsibility to report criminal behavior to the IRS. Wearing statutes create concerns in states where marijuana is outlawed when residents illegally use pot just across the border bring it back home. Tucson Foodie, who's Brad Hamlet, East Valley Tribune, Arizona Newsnet, Morning News on 92, called Kreitz TV, guess these are, I'm going to follow these people because they're in the media, Linda Fox 10, Eric Watson, Tyson Milano, Chris Coppola, oh shit, sports editor, like that. 
I spent so much fucking money on uh, sports. I spent all the fucking money on fucking useless. Fucking useless. Peter Corbett, whoever that is. Christina Leonard. Chris McLeod. Oh, man. Should unfollow. Daily Courier. Never heard of it. Arizona PBS. Daily Independent. Apache Junction. Follow. Follow, follow. Gridiron, Arizona. Yeah. Phoenix Business Journal, Tana Marana, Arizona Commerce, oops. Palo Palo, Arizona Chamber, Local First, Arizona Small Business Association. M. Curtis, 12 News, I think you heard of him. Older Ranch for Cronkite News, Oral Valley Police, the essential things to do. Okay, um, let's go back to Mother Jones. Mother, try to get, try to work for them. A law signed by Bolsonaro paved the way for authorities to prosecute his insurrectionists. Um, didn't, uh, Traitor Trump. Lock them up. Lock them all up. Lock them all up. Arrest Trump now. Trump is done. Okay. All right, tippy canoe. 
good. So. I don't know where the, um, the one is. What about the fucking, uh. <clears throat> I'm looking at Donald Trump's um fucking page okay I'm gonna post some fucking I'm gonna shit post No one help or, uh, no one better to help break down the Trump tax returns and Stever tax. We discuss the gaps and red flags they reveal as well as the systemic flaws that permitted them to happen. Oh here we go, Harry Littman. Um I'm already following him. Oh here we go. Okay, uh, subscribe. Do I have to pay? Unlock 421 exclusive posts. Holy shit. Fuck. What's in Trump's taxes? Locked? Fuck. Come on, man. Preview. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Patreon one-on-one interview. We're here today with Steve Rosenthal, who is a your fellow at the Tax Policy Center, the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center, and quite the guru on tax, and a longtime uh, friend of mine. But I thought of him immediately when the uh, Trump taxes finally were released, and he's been making... Oh, man. Give me a fuck. You have to unlock the video by becoming a patron. Fuck. Uh. 
Well, that sucks. Okay, so, um, shoot, this stuff. If it's free if you on are YouTube. a corporate speaker, then stick with me for 20 seconds. Hi, I'm Brittany. Hi, y'all. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Patreon hey, hey, one-on-one cool. interview. We're this here today with Steve Rosenthal, who is a senior fellow at the Tax Policy Center, the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center, and quite the guru on tax and a long-time uh, friend of mine. But I thought of him immediately when the uh, Trump taxes finally were released, and he's been making the rounds uh, everywhere since then. So thanks for spending a few ta- a few uh, minutes with us, yeah. Steve. Um, welcome, and uh, you've just given a uh, an, an op-ed in the Washington Post. Trump's taxes are exhibit A in the case for why the... Uh, the big upgrade before going to the irs problem let's zero in on the taxes themselves so the headline seems to be a mind-blowing amount of losses dating back for these are only a few years but putting together with what else we know just hundreds of millions of dollars in losses how does that even happen trump's losses are staggering uh, the most recent years have been somewhat scrubbed, and there are losses uh, year after year there. But if you go to the prior uh, 35 years or 30 years, Trump has been reporting uh, losses, zero or negative adjusted gross income, income, since 1985. Uh, and as a consequence, he pays uh, little or no taxes. Sometimes they'll pay what is known as the alternative minimum tax, because sometimes losses are limited. But he's been losing money for decades, year after year. And that's, Steve, that's real and money. taxpayers right? I mean, have started, to pay. It adds up to hundreds of millions of dollars. That losses. That, but for that, he'd be hundreds of millions of dollars richer. That's not um, uh, conjuring kind of stuff. No, that's the six. comma because he writes off and we scam dollar question, Harry. Uh, Trump reports for taxes lots and lots of losses, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars of losses if you go back to the 80s and 90s. And the question 
both as an enforcement matter and as a tax policy matter, is are those losses genuine or are they fake? Have they been inflated? You know, our income, our tax system, tax income, taxes income. And uh, if you have a, a negative, zero or negative income for the year, you pay no taxes. And that's fine. Uh, but what happens if you have a zero or negative income because you've inflated your losses? That's not fine. That's not fine from an enforcement standpoint. That's not fine from a tax policy standpoint. Hey, everyone. We're taking a quick break to ask you to take a second to like and subscribe. It's a quick thing that really helps the show. Thanks, and back to the video. Can you tell from the cash of returns that were just listed, uh, do they do they have any kinds of uh, red flags about whether they're phony? I, I gather that they are very uh, poorly documented, these losses, yeah? Uh, yes, poorly documented. Uh, and no, we really cannot tell whether or not the, the losses have been inflated. Uh, there was a congressional oversight of these most recent six years of tax returns. And uh, the Joint Committee on Taxation, Congress's nonpartisan technical experts, went in. They couldn't tell whether the losses were legitimate for these years. They were smaller than some of the years earlier. But the Joint Committee on Taxation could not tell. They directed the agent uh, to to pursue a little harder some Why of the issues. Why couldn't they fucking tell? But, I worked at the Joint Tax Committee, and they're very good tax lawyers there. I worked there in the 90s. And if they couldn't tell on the face of things, I don't think anyone could. Well, isn't it like, incumbent on the taxpayer to, to, to demonstrate it? I mean, if it can't be shown on the face of things, is that a violation or not really? Uh, um. We have what is known as a voluntary tax system. Voluntary in the sense that we expect each taxpayer to come to the to, to give the IRS um, a good faith estimate of their tax liability. And uh, they are supposed to have receipts. Uh, documentation uh, varies uh, from no deduction to deduction, charitable business and the like. Uh, but it's hard to say what kinds of documentation Trump provided uh, the IRS did not have much in their working papers. Now, having said that, one of the big takeaways uh, from my review of congressional oversight of the IRS audit is how feeble a job the IRS was doing. They only assigned one agent uh, to one of Trump's presidential returns, uh, his, and that was his first return um, in the third year of, of Trump's presidency. And they only got to the other presidential returns after Trump had left office. But with that one agent, one agent, uh, in effect, outsourced uh, the audit of a lot of income and liability, income and deductions, uh, to Trump's tax lawyers and accountants that prepared the return. And you said accountants have done it. Yeah, they were just overwhelmed. The IRS couldn't figure it out. So they said, these are reputable accountants. I guess we'll trust them. So you just told me something I didn't know, Steve. We, we've got the returns now. What we don't have, though, is the underlying documentation. So presumably he presented support for that, and you could do a forensic analysis of it. We don't know what that might look like. Is that right? Yes, except that I'm not sure the agent ever asked for it. I think the agent was so overwhelmed that they just said, well, let's trust Trump's preparers to get these numbers right. Wow. 
All right. So it, it's, I mean, my, That's my uh, thinking is that if, if he's both um, vulnerable or lying in some way, or um, even, even exposed that the biggest, the, the biggest scheme here, if there are schemes revealed would be this, these um, statement of losses. Now his claim, if I understood this right, is that the massive losses, you know, he said, the Hillary debate. Oh, it shows I'm smart that I'm not paying taxes. <laughs> but also, losses show that he was creating jobs. Does that hold up, or do you understand even the argument there? Uh, yes, I. He owes, comma, or owed China Communist Bank over $300 million. He gives zero dollars. Comma, another lie. was another lie. the argument, and it's a fascinating argument. Uh, Trump will say he pays a few taxes because of the magic of depreciation. As you may know, uh, we allow taxpayers to take a deduction uh, for wear and tear of the property. And, and with real estate, uh, those deductions are accelerated, front-loaded. So it's known that real estate investors often uh, can lower their taxes. But there's a few things wrong with that argument what he's done is just perfectly lawful or smart. Um, one is, uh, appreciation doesn't seem to explain much of the losses he's had. I've looked especially closely at the losses he reported, almost a billion dollars in the 1990s. Uh, and, and there he just sidestepped a whole bunch of income recognition. And then two is, sort of would expect depreciation. Oh, oh, he had money, but he called it a net loss because he didn't, he didn't balance it against the income he got. Right. What he did was borrow money, and when you borrow money, you don't have income because there's an offsetting liability. And But when he spent that money, he could take deductions for his expenditures. However, when Trump uh, later restructured his notes and was relieved of the 
liability, was supposed to report income, and he didn't. I'd say about half of his billion dollars of losses should have been offset by what is known as just Mark. Charge of indebtedness income. And so he never got there. And so consequently, uh, from my review of some of his uh, efforts, it's not so much economic losses uh, that, that, are, that are, are inflating his taxes, aggressive tax reporting taking positions that others might not take. Trump will say, hey, this is just a lawful application of the, of, of the rules uh, and earned depreciation deductions and other generous things for real estate developers. But in my view of his, his returns and, 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 his, and his approach, it really is much more than that, stretching the rules uh, beyond what we might recognize uh, as lawful, or at least uh, if challenged by the IRS, likely to lose. Interest and penalties could have That's walked. really interesting. I mean, do you take it then that now that they've been exposed, do you think it's it's clear why he tried to hide them so um, uh, adamantly and vigorously for so many years? Was it to cover up? Well, go ahead. So Michael Cohn, his longtime lawyer, testified yeah. to the Health Financial Services Committee, and he said that Trump did not want to release his taxes because he was afraid that some hotshot think tank guy would take them apart and show some liability and he'd have to pay interest and penalties uh, to the IRS. He was scared of Steve Rosenthal. At the time, I was the only one looking at his taxes, so I take <laughs> some comfort from that. Yeah. But, yeah, so that, I think that, that's what it is. Trump outmatched the IRS. That, that was the big problem here. Uh, the, the IRS has been auditing Trump forever, but they don't, their audits don't go anywhere. They're just outgunned. And so Trump can like hide the ball, take aggressive positions, and the IRS uh, largely, I think, just lets him go. I seen, I saw a lot of that when I was in practice, in law practice, and defending. Tweeting on the talking feds. was in practice, in law practice, and defending a taxpayer, you play a game called whack-a-mole. IRS raises an issue, you whack it down. They raise another issue, you whack it down. And eventually the IRS goes away. Not because there wasn't any liability, but because the IRS couldn't figure out what the true liability was. And so the game is just whack-a-mole. And so that's a big problem, I think, that's been demonstrated. You look closely at the Trump audits, especially the presidential audits, might have expected those to be done thoroughly. 
The IRS's own operating manual specifies how presidential audit should be done. And so everyone sort of expected that they were being done on an expedited basis, as the operating manual directs. They would be done, being done uh, uh, thoroughly and hopefully fairly. But what we found was they weren't being done much at all. And that's really stunning. And uh, I guess there, it's not clear whether that was just dereliction or politics. But you, you really placed a big part of the prophecy with, as you put it, you know, a um, IRS is no match for a taxpayer with complicated financial affairs. I, and I would think most people find that kind of mind-boggling, you know, and I think of if I got a call from an IRS auditor, <laughs> it would be pretty uh, frightening, but, and this, and they're trained in this specially, but it's just, um, is, is it a matter of, of sophistication, a matter of, of, you know, horsepower, is it a matter of you know, resources? How can they be, how can the federal government be outgunned by a single taxpayer? The reason why you, Harry, would be in trouble if the IRS caught you or contacted you and found an adjustment is your taxes are open and shut. Right. You have a W-2, you yeah. might get some 1099s from your bank and your broker, uh, lots of good information reporting, and compliance is like 98, 99%. Well, Trump uh, business empire is comprised of what is known as um, LLCs and subchapter S pass-through businesses. He has more than 500 of them. And the tax rules for pass-through businesses, especially partnerships, are really, really hard. And then these partnerships and pass-throughs, one owns another. And so it's often hard for anyone to get through to the bottom of the tax claim. And so because Trump's affairs are arranged in such a complicated fashion, the IRS really struggles to figure out what's going on. We've been relying on uh, Trump's lawyer and accountants. Uh, the IRS still, I don't think, got very far. But Trump is notorious for obstructing and delay. And right. if, if, if Trump applied to the IRS agent when he applies to the rest of us, I pity the poor agent. But certainly the agent was overwhelmed. Remarkable. Okay, um, uh, just staying with the big problem. So it seems to me there's a, just a lot that um, goes under the um, roof.
rubric of um, uh, the, of these losses. There's also, am I right, the, the other big ticket area that a, a, a vigorous and um, you know st strongly armed audit would look into as expenses. So it, it sounds like you you see a lot of uh, possible fishy treatment of expenses. Yeah. Potentially, and that's one of the areas that the Joint Committee on Taxation uh, suggested the agent pursue. But the problem there is the agent, uh, at one point, the Joint Tax Committee quoted the agent as, as saying that, in effect, uh, the cost-benefit analysis of looking at all these different expenses just wasn't there. The IRS lacked the resources to pull it off. And at some level, a lot of those are nickel and dime, you know, whether or not uh, Trump actually took a deduction for the $70,000 haircut, or whether or not Trump took a deduction for Stormy Daniels uh, settlement payment. Uh, that's sort of small potatoes. Uh, Trump generates losses in the hundreds of millions of dollars, almost a billion in the 90s. Those losses he uses to offset his income uh, later. So from my standpoint, well, the fact that he's taking personal deductions buried somewhere in this sprawling empire of 500 uh, different entities, pass-through entities, um, we're not going to find it very easily. And he's sort of, uh, I think he's probably hopeful that, that it's not looked for. But that's still, from a dollar standpoint, sort of smaller. It's hard to make that up in volume to zero out your taxes. I mean, I guess that's right. On the other hand, you have a, a mandatory audit program for presidents. I think it's probably you want to get to the, the treatment of their stuff. Steve, is this sophisticated enough that we think it actually had to have been sort of unscrupulous or Trumpy accountants who, who devised it if, if it really was um, outside, you know, the, the lines? Or does this is this the sort of thing that we posit Trump himself would have the wherewithal to do? I ah, just call these losses this, and you know, to to be able to monkey around. Monkeying around, labeling personal expenses uh, business expenses, that does not take any sophistication. Yeah. Um, trying to sidestep uh, income from relief of liability, I restructuring of your debt requires sophistication. Trying to take a $700 million abandonment loss for abandoning a partnership interest takes some planning help. So, uh, planning help. Items, so you don't think Trump devises this all by himself with his Wharton degree? Well, yes and no. Uh, no, he does not come up with a plan. Trump doesn't like to pay taxes, we know. And so, from my perspective, I practiced for 20 years, and saw a lot of planning, a client would ask you, like, what are my options here? How can I lower my taxes? Well, that's the value added that tax planners bring to the table. And you could say, we well, could try this approach or that approach. This is more aggressive, uh, more likely to be picked up by the IRS and challenged other than that. One of the phenomenal things from that $916 million loss that he generated I discovered from looking through the bankruptcy filings was that his own lawyer said he could take uh, this position that he had no income on the restructuring of his debt, but if challenged by the IRS, would not likely prevail. Uh, and so, in fact, it's sort of strange for a lawyer 
to tell you what won't Oops, oh shit. <clears throat> Oh man, the fuck happened? Bollocks. <laughs> Where are the machines? Voice, your message, your story is needed now. Give your story a voice in a bank account. There is a tell you what won't how you won't right. only tell you. She can sort of imagine behind the scenes there was some concern that Trump would blame the lawyers. But uh, one thing that I suspect went on is lawyers cannot advise clients on taking a course of action based on likelihood of getting caught. They can only say if challenged, what's the likely outcome? The clients, the taxpayers, they can play whatever hide-and-seek games they might like. They can say, well, just give me a position, an argument that I can use so that it doesn't look like it's willful omission of income or disregard of the law, so I don't have any penalties or exposure to any criminal sanctions. That goes on a lot. And so the IRS is so poor at auditing, the chances of actually having defense <laughs> So as a consequence, the gamesmanship of playing hide-and-seek actually is quite profitable. That's, of course, discouraging for our voluntary tax system, but, you know, sometimes sophisticated or rich guys get away with this stuff. And what happens now? So, I mean, we we know there, you've mentioned, I think, a an outstanding issue dating back many years that could have $100 million consequence for them. But just these things that are now uh, have seen the light of day, the, the possibly um, untoward or improper, even even criminal treatment of losses, maybe even expenses, though you say that's, that they probably don't go after that. Is he now in some kind of peril now that it's been uh, released? Do we, do we anticipate investigations? Probably or not. Or is it just kind of now we, we've heard probably. this explanation of, Slept on the $50 fine. The Does that suggest that he's now gotten away with it, with the, the, the problems that are in these last five years of taxes? Well, the problems in the last five years uh, are much less or minor than the ones earlier. Not a coincidence, because uh, last month at the criminal prosecution of the Trump organization, Trump's tax accountant explained that he had directed the Trump organization make their tax returns squeaky clean once Trump took office. So I suspect that Trump uh, cleaned up his act some. But Trump may be nuts, but he's not stupid. So, but if you go back, like those big losses in the 1990s, the statute of limitations ran. It looks as if the IRS just never adjusted any taxes for the positions Trump took. But the big $700 million loss claimed in 2009 
Trump was under audit for that all year at the time he entered office in 2017. And that audit still remains open. In fact, that audit and the 2009 through 2013 audit cycle, uh, which had all these huge losses that could be carried forward to soak up income in the future, and they were carried forward through 2015, 16, 17, and then 18, they were used up, those carryovers were in question. And the agents looking at the 2015 to 2019 and 20, the presidential years, the agent was unlikely, the agent seemed to be slow in part because they hadn't resolved the earlier cycle, and they didn't seem to be in a rush to resolve any of the later cycle. But I think they're all tied together. So the peril to trust, to Trump, is the Currently, fact, yeah. yeah, I think the peril is uh, his, the very concerns that he expressed. Now that everyone knows there's a $700 million adjustment potential out there, and the whole world is looking at it, and people are writing articles, like the New York Times spoke to a lot of lawyers asking about how strong this position would be, that could inform the IRS audit, and those years are still open. As a matter of fact, one of the charming, to me charming or amusing <laughs> circumstances was, as the IRS was opening these tax audits of Trump's presidential years, they were reading the New York Times story as to the shenanigans that Trump was up to. And so the IRS agent structured his investigation and audit based on the New York Times investigation. Good. So it's a sort of a shame that <laughs> the New York Times reporters, in effect, are doing the job for the right. But that's where we at. All right. So what? let's just close with this. Uh, even setting Trump aside, you've... Um, diagnose problems here that um, go beyond him. What, if anything, can be done to shore up the whole system such that uh, the IRS is not outgunned and be would no match for a taxpayer with complicated financial affairs? Or is that just going to be the, as I think you put it, um, you know, risk-benefit analysis uh, going forward? Well, um, we all knew uh, that this situation uh, existed. That uh, taxpayers with these past-due entities, those with complicated returns, uh, they were just outgunning uh, the IRS, outgunning the IRS and effectively audit-proof. But on the good news side, at the uh, in the last Congress, in the last Congress, uh, there was an extra $80 billion that was given to uh, the IRS half of which was for enforcement. And uh, President Biden promised to use that money to target uh, sophisticated taxpayers, uh, corporations, and rich individuals. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is the House Republicans have pledged that they want to rescind that enforcement money, that $80 billion. And so that will be a target that will be coming up over and over again. Because they just think the IRS are part of the, you know, uh, deep state or whatever? Yeah. Why do Republicans, the House Republicans, uh, want to deprive the IRS of the resources to pursue, you know, aggressive taxpayers? That's a little bit of a puzzlement. You go back 30 years, back when I was working on the Hill, there was bipartisan agreement that the tax laws should be enforced. But uh, today's Republican Party is much more especially on the uh, more, more, more conservative end, I'm much more wary of the IRS and the institutions. And so when the House Republicans last took over 
the House of Representatives yeah, in 2010, they immediately started gutting the IRS budget. And, you know, 10 years later, the IRS had in real terms 23% less money and 26% less enforcement resources. And so that $80 billion was to reverse those large setbacks. Now that the Republicans have taken over the House of Representatives again, uh, will they resume their course of stripping the IRS of resources? Certainly, they're intended to, they're, they're planning on going down that path. But will they succeed? It depends in part on, on their leverage. One of the troubling things to me, though, is the rhetoric that is, um, those politicians who want to strip the IRS of resources and later complain that the IRS functions poorly. Right. Well, after stripping the IRS of resources and uh, demonizing their employees. So what is the response? The Democrats, the Republicans, many of these uh, uh, anti-IRS people want to strip more money from the IRS. And that vicious cycle has been a real problem. And it has been addressed in part by $80 billion. From my perspective, I hope the IRS keeps the money. Steve Rosenthal, thanks very much for being with us. This stuff is very hard to penetrate, but not impenetrable when uh, smart guys like you are here to help explain it. Thanks very much. I know you, you're going to be a very busy guy uh, for the next couple of weeks as people continue to talk about these taxes. Thanks, Harry. Thanks right. for tuning in. If you enjoyed this video and other Talking Feds content, please take a second to like and subscribe. Talk to you later. Yeah. Well, too short. Trump's tax returns are now public. CNN. Trump paid zero dollars in federal income taxes in 2020. Lawmaker speaks about the investigation into Trump's tax returns. Let's check that out. Hello, my name is Kathleen Petticourt, and I would like to... Which lawmaker? Tonight, Trump's tax returns are now in the hands of House Democrats on the Ways and <laughs> Committee. <laughs> look, this is a huge step. It was a years-long battle to get these tax returns, right, that no one's ever seen. They cover six years of the former President Trump's taxes, information about his personal finances, his corporate entities. This is crucial stuff. And out front now is the Democratic Congressman Lloyd Doggett, the member of the House Ways and Means Committee, who... Talking to us about this, Congressman. You know, I spoke with you the night that the Supreme Court uh, gave you the green light, finally clearing the way for your committee to get Trump's taxes. Here we are, ten days later. Your committee's got them in hand. What is the committee doing with them right now? Well, Aaron, finally, after making the motion in February of 2017, uh, almost five years ago. The Ways and Means Chairman has access, access to those returns, uh, to some of the returns that I was seeking at that time. We had a meeting yesterday. He explained the process. Uh, he indicated that he did have access to them, that he had appointed uh, uh, some staff individuals, his agents, to go through the returns. Uh, and uh, I believe that is occurring right now. It needs to occur very expeditiously because we know we have only a few days left in which Democrats would be in charge of this. And we know how much obstruction, two years from congressional Republicans, and in this case sat for two and a half years with a uh, 
Trump appointed judge. So finally, we have it. Uh, we need uh, to then meet in executive session to hear what these individuals who've been reviewing the returns uh, find and make a determination about uh, how much, if at all, uh, is made public. All right, so I want to ask you about the public part of this, but first, when you say only a few days, obviously January 3rd, right, is when the gavel switches over. So, exactly. uh, and, and, and not many of those days are in session, but when we spoke, you had said you, you were willing to have this go around the clock, work on Absolutely. the weekends, work 14 yes. hours a day, whatever it took. Is that happening? I'm hopeful that it is. Uh, we've been provided as members of the committee very few details about how this exploration is occurring. Uh, but I think uh, from talking with Chairman Neal, while he's very prudent about following the law and protecting privacy here, he knows how urgent this is and that come uh, January 3rd, he will no longer be chair, unfortunately, of the committee and that the work has to be done before that. And I think he recognizes the responsibility to the public and to our committee to come up with an answer. So I, I feel we'll have, uh, whether in person uh, or uh, by Zoom, uh, a meeting of our committee uh, in uh, executive private session. There we will determine what to do with the outcome. It is best to look and get the results, but the more I learn about this case, the more I'm convinced that at this late moment, we really do need to make all or a substantial portion of this available to the public. So then that, that gets me exactly what I wanted to ask you. So how does that happen? Because obviously you can do what you can do if you can't finish it or come to conclusions, right? The best way to get it into, to have it not disappear, which it, which it will, right? If, if Republicans take over the committee and it stays in committee is to, is to put it in the public eye. Is that going to happen? Well, exactly. You're exactly right. Because all of the Republicans uh, who are talking about being on the Ways and Means Committee chairmanship have already worked to obstruct our access to this and have made clear they want to have nothing to do with this beginning on January 3rd. The way it could occur is in an executive private session, we decide to report this to the House and attach some or all of the returns or return information uh, to that report, thereby it could become public. It will take a vote of our committee. But you could do that by January 3rd? Yes, we could. All right. Thank you very much, Congressman Doggett. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much, Erin. When people are asked on surveys, what's the number one reason for failure? Do you know what they say? Because it isn't lack of money or opportunity. It's always things like self-sabotage, procrastination, getting in my own way, having limiting beliefs. But how do you get rid of that? Because we were never taught that at school. Well, my name is Peter Sage. I'm an expert on human behavior with books published in multiple languages all over the world. And I'm here to tell you that I have the secret that you've been looking for. I can eradicate self-sabotage and procrastination in one hour if you give me your attention, I will give you the world's best training on this because it is so valuable that you learn to get out of your own way so you can deal with all the other stuff that's coming at you. And I'm going to invite you to register for this incredible training where we're going to spend an hour together completely free. And if you don't think this is the best training that you have ever had in your life, then guess what? I will give you a $100 gift just as a thank you for showing up. Now, I can't say fairer than that, so please... <coughs> right. Maggie Haberman and Todd. I know from the writer's book. Probably already heard this one. 
Maggie Haberman and Todd Perdue. Confidence Man. Take this moment to thank you all for coming out. And I know that, as noted several times tonight, A, it's cold, and B, this was rescheduled. I'm really very grateful you you were all here. So am I. Thank you very much for coming. Um, I can't start this evening here in the Skirball without giving brief mention to the loss of our dear friends who desired this week. I'm sure she's known to many of you in the community. Didi and I happened to meet her and Marvin on our honeymoon in Italy when we were staying in the same farmhouse complex in Tuscany. And one night after dinner, they brought over a batch of mulberries and ice cream for dessert, and we were friends ever since. So may her memory be a blessing, as I know that it is. Um, thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be here with Maggie. For many reasons, we were colleagues at Politico. I'm not quite old enough to be her father, thankfully, but I'm definitely old enough to be her much older brother. And 40 years ago, when I was starting my career at the New York Times, her father was a star reporter on the Metro desk, and her mother was one of the leading, most important publicists in Manhattan. And she was allowed to talk to only one editor at the Metro desk, Anna Quinlan. So I feel really mishpuka with uh, Maggie here tonight and, and delighted, <laughs> delighted to be here. So Maggie, Donald Trump, uh, you write in the book that when Donald Trump won, our colleague Adam Negrini of the New York Times told you this would be the story of a lifetime. Uh, our colleague Maureen Dowd told me the same thing, and I said, so was the Civil War, but I wouldn't want to have to cover it. Um, I don't mean this question to sound flip, but how do you stand it? Well, first of all, thank you for doing this tonight, Todd. Thank you to everyone at Skirball for making this happen. Um, yes, as I, I write, Adam messaged me and <clears throat> said that this was good for me personally, meaning career-wise. And I wrote back, you have no idea what's coming. Um, and I, I don't really know how to answer that because uh, there are, in some ways, this is, you know, there are aspects of this that are like any other political beat. You know, you, you covered New York, you have covered the White House, you have covered, you know, all manner of politics nationally, and there is a certain sameness to that, but obviously there are many aspects of this that are different. Um, I think what I found rewarding about